Welcome to Accessible Art History, the podcast, the best place for art history lovers or anyone that is curious. My name is Annalisa, and I'm going to be sharing an amazing Metropolitan Masterpiece with you today. Just a quick reminder before the episode starts, all sources and images will be posted on the Accessible Art History blog. You can find a link in the episode description as well as on Instagram at accessible.art.history and at metropolitan.masterpieces. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get started. One of the most jaw-dropping facts about the Metropolitan Museum of Art is the fact that it contains an entire Egyptian temple within its halls. The Temple of Dendur was given to Egypt by the United States as a gift, thanking the government for helping save important architectural structures. It stands as a testament to both the beauty of Egyptian art and architecture and to international relationships. So to learn more, keep on listening. The Temple of Dendur is a modest Egyptian Roman building consisting of a temple space and an entry pylon. It was completed during the reign of Emperor Augustus, around 10 BCE. The building approximately measures 42.7 feet long, or 13 meters, by 21.5 feet, or 6.6 meters wide, by 16 feet, 4.9 meters high. Unsurprisingly, due to its original location, the Temple of Dendur is built of Nubian sandstone. In fact, it is constructed of 661 individual blocks, weighing a total of 640 tons, or 580,000 kilograms. The walls are carved both on the inside and the outside with relief carvings showing rituals, gods, kings, and other decorations. In ancient times, it would have been painted in brilliant colors, but time has since worn away that detail. I think we can get a great sense of the temple from this quote by Amelia Edwards, an English writer who visited the temple during the 19th century when she toured the Nile. At Dendur, when the sun is setting, we visit a tiny temple on the western bank. It stands out above the river, surrounded by a wall enclosure. The whole thing is like an exquisite toy, so covered with sculptures, so smooth, so smooth-looking, so admirably built. Seeing them half by sunset, half by dusk, it matters not that these delicately wrought bas-reliefs are of the decadent school. The rosy half-light in an Egyptian afterglow covers a multitude of sins and steeps the whole in an atmosphere of romance. Overall, it was, and still is, a magnificent testament to ancient Egypt. As I mentioned in the introduction, the Temple of Dendur was built during the reign of the first Roman Emperor Augustus. In 31 BCE, he defeated the last pharaoh of Egypt, Cleopatra, and her lover Mark Anthony at the Battle of Actium. This brought Egypt directly under Roman rule, which had far-reaching consequences for the growth of the empire. You see, Egypt was known as the breadbasket of the Mediterranean. The nutrient-rich mud from the Nile flooding was perfect for growing wheat and other crops. This wheat would be shipped all over the world, providing flour to make bread. Although Augustus won the right to rule Egypt in battle, he still had to legitimize his rule in the eyes of the people. This is why he commissioned a number of temples, including this one at Dendur, for people to worship at. Plus, it had the added bonus of him being able to place his own image in said temples, worshipping Egyptian gods as pharaohs to cement his place in the new country. Originally, the Temple of Dendur was located in Nubia. So Augustus instructed that it be dedicated to Isis, the primary patron of the city nearby. He also included two local gods, Padeski and Pahor. Not much is known about them. According to scant records, they were two sons of a local king. They both drowned in the Nile and were deified after their death. Interestingly, the Temple of Dendur is the only temple in the area with depictions of them. After the fall of the Roman Empire in the 5th century CE, the temple fell out of regular use. By the 6th century, the space was transformed into a Coptic church. There isn't much more about Dendur that pops up in the historical record after that until 1933. That year, the Egyptian government raised the height of the Aswan Low Dam. Because of the temple's proximity to the Nile, the space now flooded every nine months. 
This caused damage to the ancient walls and became a concern to archaeologists. Now, at this point, you might be wondering how the Temple of Dendor came to be housed at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. <laughs> New York is a long way from Egypt. Well, before I dive into that, I need to explain the international campaign to save the monuments of Nubia. You see, the Egyptian government needed to ensure that its citizens had enough water for drinking, bathing, livestock, etc. So they decided to build a new dam called the Aswan Dam at the Nile's first cataract or shallow region. This would lead to the creation of a new lake called Lake Nasser. But this posed a problem for Egyptian and Nubian monuments. The waters would completely submerge or partially cover some of the most important archaeological sites in world history. Understanding the importance of cultural heritage, the Egyptian government reached out to other governments around the world to help come up with a solution. In fact, the project was later dubbed by UNESCO Courier as the greatest archaeological rescue operation of all time. 24 sites, including the amazing Abu Simbel and our Temple of Dendur, had to be moved piece by piece and reassembled in new locations. This was clearly no small undertaking. Overall, 49 other countries sent financial aid and many of them also sent teams to help on the ground. The project was a success and led to the creation of the World Heritage Convention in 1972 and to the modern system of World Heritage Sites managed by UNESCO. In 1965, as a gift of thanks, the Egyptian government presented one of the rescued sites, our Temple of Dendur, to the United States. After much deliberation, President Lyndon B. Johnson decided to house a temple at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. The museum was prepared to build an entirely new wing for it and had the resources to ensure its conservation. I'll talk more about that space later in this episode. Next, I'm going to discuss more about specific rituals and iconography at the Temple of Dendur. But first, let's take a quick break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi there, this is Annalisa, the founder of Accessible Art History. Thanks for tuning in today. As a part of my mission, I work to provide free quality art history content for anyone who is curious. But if you'd like to support Accessible Art History, you can find the link to my Patreon for monthly support or buy me a coffee for a one-time donation. If you do decide to donate, please let me know so that I can give you a shout out on a future episode. Thank you for listening and let's get back to our episode. Alright, now that we're back, let's talk about the iconography of the Temple of Dendor. As I mentioned earlier in the episode, this space was dedicated to the goddess Isis. Naturally, she's accompanied by her husband Osiris and their son Horus. Egyptian canon, or the specific way that something was portrayed in art, hadn't changed much over the thousands of years of civilization, so these gods are fairly recognizable in their roles. Fascinatingly, we also see the Emperor Augustus represented on the walls of the temple. As I mentioned earlier in the episode, the main reason that this temple and others were built was to legitimize his rule in Egypt. But instead of being shown as a Roman emperor, Augustus borrowed the canon of a powerful pharaoh. This linked his reign directly with the throne that had presided over the country for thousands of years. Additionally, Augustus included himself in ritualistic scenes. There are many relief carvings of him presenting offerings to the gods. Again, he is telling people that his rule is legitimate because he respects their gods as his own. Another use of iconography is through the use of plant imagery. The temple is decorated with carvings of lotus and papyrus plants. They stretch and grow as if out of the Nile River itself. But they aren't included just to be pretty. 
In fact, they're meant to represent the god Hopi, who had control over the annual flooding of the Nile. Naturally, there are many other standard Egyptian iconographic elements throughout the temple. They include the Ankh, a symbol of life, the double crown of Upper and Lower Egypt, and various minor gods. It's important to remember while studying the Temple of Dendur that temples were not merely buildings or even just spaces to worship. In ancient Egyptian religion, they were the literal homes and places for manifestations of the gods. This is because they believed that their gods, like their human subjects, needed sustenance in order to survive. So presenting food and offerings to the gods was an important part of a religious ritual. In order to represent this, there were one or more cult statues of Isis residing in the innermost part of the temple. During rituals, the statue would be carried throughout the space to interact with the images and worshippers. Seeing the goddess was a crucial part of this ancient belief system. In fact, you could almost say that seeing is believing. As I promised earlier, it's finally time to discuss the special wing that was built at the Met to house the Temple of Dendor. The museum hired architects Kevin Roche and John Dinklou of Roche Dinklou in Connecticut. They chose them especially because Roche was a huge fan of Egyptian architecture, especially pyramids. They chose to incorporate the original location of the temple by crafting a reflecting pool to symbolize the Nile and a sloping wall to represent the cliffs. They also oriented the wing so that the temple would face east, its original orientation in Egypt. Today, this wing of the museum is simply known as Gallery 131, but this was a recent name change. For much of the wing's history, it was known as the Sackler Wing. It was named after the Sackler family, who donated a substantial amount of money to the Met in order to cover construction costs. However, the Sackler family are principals of Purdue Pharma. They have been heavily blamed for the opioid crisis in the United States because they manufacture and heavily promote the drugs at the heart of the epidemic. For many years, the public has pressured the Met to remove the name of the family from the various spots, including the Temple Wing, because of their involvement with this horrific crisis. Finally, in 2021, the museum complied with demands and removed the name from the museum. A new name for the wing hasn't been proposed, so it's simply referred to as Gallery 131, following general naming conventions of the spaces. The Temple of Dendur and its wing are the most breathtaking combination in the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Besides being a shining example of Egyptian architecture, it serves as a testament to the power of international cooperation and monument preservation. Thanks to nearly 50 countries, the Temple of Dendur survived a necessary dam building and serves to teach the visitors about ancient art and culture. Make sure to tune in next time when I discussed the reliquary bust of St. Eureks. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Accessible Art History, the podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at accessible.art.history and at metropolitan.masterpieces for updates and to keep an eye out for the next episode. They drop every week on your favorite podcast platform. If you prefer to listen on YouTube, you can find episodes there on Well, about two weeks after each episode is posted. Cheers and see you for the next episode.